It's not a far reach to say that today we're discussing Jack Reacher 2, Never Go Back. Are we going back? That's right, we are. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Jack Reacher 2. Uh, it's called Never Go Back, the new Tom Cruise movie. We're talking about a non-anatomy movie. Uh, we've got Dimitri Panos. Hey, movie fans. Who's also seen the first one. Yes, <laughs> and, and then the rest of us have not seen the first one, but we have Stephanie Wenger. Hi, good to be back with you. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. Also known as Serafini TV, which is what I was going to say. And Phil Svitek, that's me. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. A couple of things right off the bat. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, we get in-depth with these movies, so as you can imagine, it's going to be spoiler-filled. You have been warned. If you don't care, then you don't care. Good for you. Uh, secondly, <laughs> uh, to follow along, uh, you can download our rundown in the description box. That way you can know sort of our notes and whatnot. And, uh, you know, we might not get to everything, but it's what we pull from, so... Um, there might be some cool information there that you can follow along with, a lot of the full quotes, you know, if, if we start to pull from that. So uh, we try to give you guys all the tools that we use. Um, but as we always do, overall impressions starting down there with Dimitri, who's seen both. I have seen both. And uh, I will say that this I, I found this sequel to be, well, it sort of falls in that sequelitis. Not as good as the, as the first. Entertaining, and I did find it uh, more uh, more entertaining than... Uh, our last week's uh, uh, discussion of the accountant, so to speak, only because it was a little bit tighter, but it wasn't as tight as that first Reacher movie. And I think a lot of that has to do with the creatives behind the camera. I think director, writer Ed Zwick, who's a very capable guy on his own, and he's directed some some quality movies in TV, um, but I just don't think he was able to pull off the practical set pieces that Christopher McQuarrie from the first movie was able to pull off. And plus, I think McQuarrie's script was a hell of a lot tighter, building up a mystery and suspense. Um, And who knows, maybe uh, as also one who's read a handful of the Reacher books, but I haven't read the two that were adapted. I don't know, maybe maybe the, the, the material wasn't as strong as One Shot, which is what the first Reacher book was based off of. So... It was. I found it very interesting in doing research that Zwick said, you know, he was inspired by movies like Bullet, and I found that very ironic because he wasn't able to channel that as well as, say, Macquarie was. Um, that first Reacher movie has one of the best car chase scenes that is a pure throwback to Bullet, uh, and one of the best car chase scenes I've seen in years in cinema. And very and done practically and done really well. And this movie didn't have that that panache, that kineticism. Uh, so that's what was lacking. Other than that, though, Tom Cruise uh, will go into Jack Reacher uh, and him playing that character. There's always controversy surrounding him playing this character since day one. Just because um, of height, though, like. I mean, overall, really? Well, yeah, we'll, we should talk about this later because right, there's we'll so we'll many times where people and fans will complain, whether it's James Bond or, or, or whether, you know, just yeah. throughout history. But I think that Tom Cruise is great. I loved Colby Smolder in this. I liked her character. It's, it is really refreshing to see, like, a strong female character who could 
stand toe-to-toe or be with a character who's very strong and intense like a Jack Reacher. And I really enjoyed the two of them together. So uh, those aspects of the movie, like I said, found it entertaining, just not as tight as the first movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought um, it's a fun movie to go see. It's pretty much a stereotypical action movie. I didn't think it was so much like outside the box. There weren't a lot of... Uh, twists and turns that surprised me, but still a fun two hours. I think my one regret was that I had to see this in the middle of the week and didn't see it with a very large audience, and I felt like this would be a fun movie to see uh, with a larger uh, audience and get that reaction and have a little more excitement in the theater. It felt a little empty being pretty Mm. much alone. (laughs) 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 Yeah, You're like Reacher. Yeah, there You're you go. I can I can compare myself to Reacher now. It's good. There you go. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed this film. I didn't see the first ones, and I was very happy that this one was more self-contained because I still understood what happened. Um, I think the, the story was very simple, other than that. I, I, I th- it was cool to see Jack Reacher go through, like, all the things that you've typically see in an action film there's a car chasing there's fighting scenes and then another car chasing you know it goes over and over again um i'm a big fan of kobe smolders i think she's great from her how i met your mother days years ago um and but like i had problems with the teenager oh millennials and but overall it was a it was a fun movie to see them like go through this adventure, I guess you can say, mm-hmm. and then it kind of just goes back to regular life at the end. Um, overall, it was just a fun ride. Yeah, if I if I could, you know, you said something very interesting, and you said that you didn't feel like you stepped into this, and the books are very are are somewhat episodic. Like they're not. It's almost like um, best way to put it, like James Bond to an extent. You know, each story is a different story. Yes, there are characters that might come in and out of play in this particular feature. That's the way that I found the books that I've read. They're they're, you know, he wanders through, he he gets into these he gets into trouble, so to speak. Um and and yes, there are characters who appear and reappear uh throughout, but you don't necessarily have to read them in any particular order. Uh, much like this. So if they continue, I like that sort of kind of episodic feel to them. Um, yeah, so I, I just found that, that that was something very interesting I felt that you brought up. Because that's how I know at least how the books are. And this felt the same way. It's its own story. It's yeah, it's a like self-contained. isolated and self-contained. Yeah. And you can easily follow along. Yeah, no it didn't have anything from the last movie, you know, to carry over outside of Jack Reacher. Right, and even at the beginning for those, like, like us, for the most part, who didn't see the first one, they had that quick brief overall. It's like, oh, you, you were ex-Navy, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Or like ex-Army, whatever Yeah, I felt was. like I was caught up in the first five minutes. I was like, of okay, movie. I, like, I understand where he, like, right. what his rank was, where he stands in the military rank. Mm-hmm. So, I get it. Um, for me, the, uh, obviously, they, they chose a much more sort of, I guess, human story, not that I can compare it much, but um, in a way it's, you know, you're dealing with potentially a love story and then also a child, so that's a different type of love. Um, And it was one of those things, I don't know if, uh, you know, part of of why maybe it didn't do so well is I don't know if we're ready to care about Jack Reacher's personal life in that way just yet, Um, and maybe we wanted more action. Uh, I will say this, if given a choice between the account and this movie, this movie was far better 
uh, 100%. And in a way, I actually rank this a little bit higher than uh, Jason Bourne. I think this is what Jason Bourne wanted to be, um, the latest one, but wasn't. Uh, so overall, you know, I, th- I think it could have been a little bit tighter, a little bit better, but I didn't actually mind it as much as most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a decent movie overall. Um, it was fast-paced. Uh, I thought the ending maybe could have trimmed down a little bit, but I also did appreciate, you know, to, to the whole episodic idea, the fact that, you know, she's not his daughter, but he's still, he's like kind of bummed out about it. He's like, oh. I was really kind of hoping mm-hmm. that it could have happened that way, but um, it just helps reset it for the next one. Yeah, what I, one of the things that I appreciated, and I'm not sure like how I, I appreciated the fact that in this one, the fights, the hand to hand combat fights, took a toll on our main character. Like he was exhausted. This didn't show show up so much in the first Reacher movie, and I didn't know if this was a conscious decision to say. This one takes place at a at a bit longer stretch of time since the first one. Maybe he's gotten older, um, but he feels the punches more. There's a little bit more of exhaustion at the end of the day. And when he goes into his hotel room, he's more or less close to crumpling up. Like after, you know, I mean, he Reacher is a character in which there's a lot of bravado behind him. And he stands up to that bravado to prove it. But when he gets into these fights, yes, he can handle himself. But once it's over, man, he definitely feels the pain. Um, Which is refreshing in general. I appreciated that. He just didn't get up and walk away. Like, uh, he was was like, oh, he was hurting. And uh, I I appreciated that. Yeah, I I like that because that made it more real, more realistic. Because... There are so many action movies where, like, the the main protagonists go through, like, so many crazy situations. And they're like, no way could he still survive that and not feel anything. Well, this one, he, like, fell off a roof, I believe. And at that point, like, if you have him pop back up and with no injury, that makes a real weird moment in a film. So I'm glad they at least went for it. I felt like he would be more injured than he was, but he at least he was a little injured. And they yeah. acknowledged it. Yeah. <laughs> you just fell off a roof. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't want to do that. They yeah. did have great self-awareness in yes. this movie. Like they they had definite lines in the script where you you were like, "Oh, you know what you're making here." Like and I I always appreciate a little self-awareness yeah. in, in my films. And Ed's Wick talks about that this this fighting and that it's not just strength but it's will and who's going to have the will because you know they paired him up with an equally opposing let's call him villain you know who could fight Jack Reacher that Jack Reacher has to overcome but then it becomes they 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 they're each skilled in the art of hand to hand combat but then it then it becomes a battle of wills Who's going to will out even more? And I'm going to throw off a... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, his, I, I was just waiting for... If there was just one person, that, that's that's ironically where I thought it was headed because, you know, um, Jack Reacher had, um, you know, the, the two girls. I thought they... they anyone that would have come in, like, no offense to anyone, like, let, let's say Marissa could have came in and punched both of them and they would have down for the count because that's how weak they were. Mm. You know, at that point. I understand, yeah. They, they were just like... Yeah, it was like a rocky, like, at the end when they're just, like, just, yeah, just, just throwing haymakers that are missing. But, yeah, there, there was pure exhaustion, and it just came down to not just brute strength, but it came down to will, which, again, if you read the books, uh, even the first movie, Reacher has a lot of will. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was. I, I found that to be refreshing again in this age of superheroes and hu- super human type action heroes. Uh, you know, Retro definitely is a little bit different. Absolutely. So I, I did appreciate that. Um, and unlike, uh, you know, just to make the final comparison, hopefully we don't uh, keep going back to it, but like, but with Jason Bourne, where he was so ripped, it was like Jack Reacher seemed like for a dude to watch him was kind of somewhat normal and in, in a weird way attainable, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he didn't have like a, a, a six pack and this and that. And it's like, oh, I have to work out 800 hours a day just to, <laughs> just to look like that. Right. You know, it's like, oh, I could maybe be that. So it's cool for a guy. Um, but let's take a let's take a step back. I'm about to sneeze any moment, so I apologize. <laughs> um, Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. Let's talk about the development. Sure. Um, you know, uh, and I remember seeing in your notes, Dimitri, you were kind of surprised that they chose this book out of all the books to do. Um, but they did, and, and I kind of mentioned it. It was because of that um, connection mm-hmm. between the daughter and, and this love interest, and that's what really drew them to sort of make this book and, and adapt this, of all things, as the second one. Yeah, and again, I think it was just an Ed's Wick conscious, conscious decision. Once they figured out that Christopher Koru is going to take a step back um, and be, just be a producer, uh, bringing on Ed's Wick, who worked with Tom Cruise before, again... It's really interesting because, you know, you talked about, uh, we were talking about Tom Cruise and his producing credit, you know. Tom Cruise has worked with a hell of a lot of people in the career that he's had, and it has been a grand career. He's worked with Ed Zwick before. He feels, the people that he surrounds himself with are people that he feels comfortable and who are up for the task of doing it, so... But I think, again, Ed Zwick chose this because of that connection. And he wrote, um, but but he changed, from what I understand, because this is one of the books that I haven't read. It's further on down the pike. That girl, that, that, that plot point is just in the very beginning of the book. And then it's, it bookends the book. So that girl does not travel with Reacher, you know, on his adventures and trying to figure out and trying to exonerate uh, this major. So I find that a very interesting that he thought it was a really good idea to bring her along for the ride, so to speak, so that she can counteract against Reacher and maybe bring some, for lack of better words, humanity to him or, or, or maturity to him. Maturity is a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it worked. She didn't, for me, she didn't take away, but it seemed a little. TV-ish. It did, but but I, I from if you just put that bullet point on on notes and we were talking about the script, I, I appreciate it for the fact that it otherwise it could have just been a cheesy love story mixed with action, and um, the fact that it wasn't, I appreciate that, that it, and yet it achieved, um, or at least was trying to achieve that, as you said, humanity, that that compassion out mm-hmm. of someone who's just you know a lone wolf. Yeah. I thought by having the girl in the movie more than she was in the book, it allowed her, kind of, she, at moments, showed humanity in in the character as well as set up some roadblocks in the story that Mm. weren't necessarily anticipated as much as, like, if it was just a completely stereotypical action movie. I knew she wasn't his daughter just based on her actions. She Uh-oh. kept using credit cards and cell phones. I was like, that it was not his daughter. Other, but there are other things that they put on there, like as MacGuffins, to make mm-hmm. you believe. Like she goes, oh well, I wouldn't have done that. I would have 
hidden over here, like stuff that he would have done, you know, in, in his everyday life. But Marissa, you brought up something that was interesting at the top of the show. You said something about all oh, millennials. And <laughs> there were parts where I felt, oh boy, this is going to go into annoying category. Like, like where she was just going to be a character I did not like. And she she skirted that edge for me, especially in the beginning. But as the movie went on, like they 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 stayed away for super annoyance and I felt more like, like a teenagerish kind of thing. I felt like once they took her away from other millennials, as you say, <laughs> um, like she became a much more interesting character. Like she wasn't your stereotypical like teenage girl. She uh, definitely had some deeper elements to her. Yeah, I mean, like I, I was really rooting for her throughout the the movie but there, there were moments that i'm like oh you're such a teenager <laughs> because, well, well it was more so like always uh arguing back and like back talking i'm like okay we got the attitude and then uh having the cell phone problem i was like yeah because they're constantly attached to their cell phones and then uh, not having the intellect not use your credit cards because that could be tracked and also texting like all these things that can track you in the and like not having the awareness that I was like, oh hey, we're on the run. If I use these things, they can still find us that way. So it's like there were so many things that she just wasn't necessarily there to understand. Right. And it was frustrating because I was like, she's a teenager, she's a millennial. But and but, but you reverse it, right? You know, she she took the credit cards because she thought they could be an asset. She right. you know, all these things and even so, she points out to Jack Reacher, like, you have a cell phone? What's the difference? And so it's not like she's just doing this to be malicious. She is, in her own way, um, trying to have an advantage. And especially early on, her advantage, because she doesn't know these people. She doesn't know what the hell's going on. So it's right. like, I, I have to form my, my own sort of plan, and whatever I can grasp at, that's that's what I'm going to do. Right. Um, so it does make sense, despite, uh, you know, maybe as an audience member, you're half annoyed. Because you're like, ah, oh, this is going to end badly. Right. See, and that was the thing. Like, she did have her moments where it's like, okay, she stole the credit cards that actually helped them. So, like, there were some moments, but then she would ruin it by using it just for something stupid as, you know, room service. I'm like, come on. It's like, it, like I wasn't sure if they wanted to make her, like, a really likable person or just a really person that you're frustrated and only had some shining moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just found it, again, for me, the whole, this is a, uh, it is set up that Reacher is a lone wolf. And that's how it is in the books. And, you know, I think the one thing that they consciously tried to do is um, they, they, they wanted to make this sort of kind of like a surrogate family for Reacher, in a sense. A man who, uh, outside of his parents and growing up, you know, never really had yeah, uh, you know, he chose this path for a particular reason. So the potential, as you felt, of him having a family, as you said earlier on, like, there was that look of, damn, that might not have been so bad to have her as my daughter. And the whole thing with Colby Smulders, you're putting a, a lone wolf character into a situation where he is, in a sense, a fish out of water. Yes, he does in the books and in the last movie. He cares for people. That's why he fights the good fight. He always chooses his battles. And it's always with people who are, in one way, shape, or form, they're being wronged. And so that's what connects him to those people. But he's never really had that that, that family unit. 
there was that scene in the hotel room I found that, that I was that just was, about to right, mention. Right, right. So you knew exactly what was going. Yeah, for. It, where they shut the door. They and shut Keith, the door. Yeah, and like, I was like, he still isn't fully in that family. Like they are, still had their own unit, and I felt like that was a really interesting moment because he was like two steps in, but not fully, right. not so, fully like. Leave us alone, family. Dad. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah. like that scene. Yeah. It, was a, it was a it was a funny scene. Mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about uh, Turner because that's what kind of gets us underway. We get that great montage um, at the beginning, and she says, uh, uh, "When you get to Washington D.C., let me know, but I won't hold my breath." Um, and that's what sort of sets this off in motion. Um, how did you guys feel about their relationship? You know, as it developed. I felt like it, for me, like, it never fully got to, like, a romantic relationship. It it, it kind of stopped, uh, like, not even far from a romantic relationship. I felt like they were just, like, the next scene, I was like, are they going to kiss? It, it kept being that for me. And I, I wanted them to either be, like, you know, have that family thing and, and not have a romantic thing or do the romantic thing. It felt like they were kind of in limbo between, for me personally. Yeah, well, it, well, well it's interesting. Number one, I liked... I like the setup in this movie because we start off at at what was could have been another movie. We, we start off with Jack Reacher who's already embroiled in something, so we're coming in in the middle of of, of, of a scene, so to speak. And I and I like that. Um, and then we come to find out when he calls her up, it's like, hey, that situation it's taken care of. Thanks. And it was basically a connection that they made. And I'm going to come to DC, take you out to dinner. Um, the movie had a sex scene, uh, apparently a relatively, according to uh, Ed Zwick, it was a pretty good sex scene, pretty smoking, he's, he goes on to say. But he took it out, and I found it interesting. He goes, um, he felt that it slowed some of the action down, and it was a little bit too Hollywood predictable. Two beautiful people fleeing assassins falling into the sack together. And I sort of appreciated that. There's definitely a connection between the two, um, I felt. Uh, I thought their chemistry together worked really well. It didn't need, in this movie, to go that extra step. Now, also, you haven't seen the first one, but there is... um, uh, I'm trying to think of her name. uh, That's in the first Jack Reacher movie. That, again, they try to um, set up... um, Oh, she was the girl in um, Gone Girl. Uh, Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike's the lead actress in the first one. And they try to set up this, but there's a connection between the two. And they do something in that movie that is really funny. You've seen, but they're in a hotel room together. Reacher's shirtless, and he goes to lean in. And Rosamund Pike's like, really? You think you're going to? And he... He was just reaching into his back pocket to give her the keys to a car. He was basically showing her out the door. It's a very funny scene. So there was a connection in that movie. I see the connection in this movie. I enjoyed Colby Spool. I, I really thought that their chemistry was as good as, almost as good as what he had with Rosamund Pike in the first movie. But they're two tough people. They're on the run. This intense experience is going to bring them together. I, thought, I, I know, liked how they handled it. They, they, they did this by design where she's basically the opposite to him. She, she matches him uh, just in a female form. And I think, although she's been in um, Avengers and all that, I, I think this is really going to be now more of her calling card. You know what I mean? In terms of 
playing a badass sure. woman. Sure, like, I gotcha. Yeah, like if I'm there's all for that too. if there's one breakout thing, because uh, I know I know this movie takes a lot of criticism, but uh, she gets a lot of praise. Yeah, this, I mean she's phenomenal in this movie, like and really plays equal to Tom Cruise. And in the scenes where, because this scene, I feel like. Almost every scene in Tom Cruise is in. I can't think of a scene that he's not in in this movie. And so, like, to be able to, like, be equal to him is really great for Kobe Smulders. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm a big fan of her, as I said before. But, uh, like, I liked the fact that this movie didn't necessarily go all the way with them, too. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, yeah, it would be predictable, but also, like, if it did happen, I just remember thinking, I was like, oh, someone's going to get hurt. If it's going to be him or her, it's not going to end well. And, like, I like them two working together so much that I don't want them to go any further because it's just going to end up bad no matter where it goes. Uh, And I'm glad I didn't take it there because, yeah, they're, like, she was a great equal to Tom Cruise, you know, to Jack Reacher in this film. And I was like, I think that was all that was needed because even that one conversation where it kind of got, you know, gender specific and in the gender roles, that's like, I think that was a great argument, especially from her point. And she did get her reigning moment at the end, taking down that awesome kill with the, right. with the host. I was like, yeah, she, she could see, she could kick the ass too. And like, I'm glad both of them were equal in different ways. Yeah. And I, you know, I think a lot of it too, when you, I, I think a lot of it has to do with Tom Cruise when you look at a lot of Tom Cruise pictures, whether it's Jack Reacher or whether it's uh, um, Edge of Tomorrow, Emily Blunt, who is a great character, you know, mm-hmm. he really, uh, in a lot of his movies, which will feature, uh, you know, good female actors, I think that it's important that they, within the casting and with the writing, they make that character somebody who could at least be toe-to-toe with the Tom Cruise character that he's playing. And I find it to be very integral in this movie that you have Colby Smulders, and yes, I think that... And she's got it all. You know, she can do action, she's funny, so she can deliver a sarcastic line when needed, and she can do a little bit of physical comedy as well. She can do drama. You know, and that's fantastic when you're in this type of an action movie, when you're able to use your traits as an actor... To put them together. And that's what she did, uh, I, I find, here in this movie. And I think by casting her, um, there, there was a purpose for it. Because they knew that that she could stand and be by Tom Cruise's side and make it believable. You know, heaven forbid you cast wrong. And you just go, that person's not going to... She's not going to be able to do that. And it, it, it's sort of kind of like the... the, the um, go back to Jurassic World, where they had um, <clears throat> Brian Dice, uh, Bryce uh, Dallas Howard. Howard. And what what do they complain about? Talking about her in her heels and doing like, running around. Like, you're not going to get this from Colby Smulders' character here in this movie. You know, even if she was in heels, like, you do believe that. She can handle herself really well. I heard an interview with Colby uh, promoting this film, and she was talking about uh, that Tom Cruise taught her how to do the action run. Yeah. And, and you see it over and over and over again in this film, and, and they do it the exact same way, and you can totally see it in the film that he 100% taught her how to do it. Mm-hmm. So funny. Yeah, and she, she said, I, 
I think we were watching the same interview that the, there's a difference between running really fast and running with form, like you're actually running really fast. Yeah. The, the, the two differences. And uh, she said there was a lot of running, obviously, in this film. But for the most part, she just had to keep up with Tom. Yeah. Yeah. And Wick was actually uh, asked, like, how do you direct Tom Cruise in a running scene? And he was like, funny thing is, he goes, Tom Cruise is trying to direct us. He goes, he's, and, and I quote, he's fucking fast. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, she had to keep up with him. <laughs> it's like, and it's funny. I guess you can say, like, in the movies that he runs, he looks like he's fast. <laughs> Right. And and she had a hard time trying to keep up with him so that they can get the two in the shot together. And right? I just found that very, very funny. Yeah, I think there was an interview where she mentions like it had to look like track running. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> running fast. Yeah, and, and especially to like the fact that she also did her own stunts and uh, obviously Tom's known for doing his own stunts. So I think, you know, even, even just from actor to actor uh, type of relationship, um, you know, you want to rise to that challenge and, right. and be like, okay, well, if he's going to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's very known for, for doing it. Uh, luckily, we didn't get Mission Impossible type stunts, so, you know, her life wasn't in, yeah. in that much danger, but still. And, and again, the running scene is particularly in the airport. Yeah. Like, that was a really good scene. And again, like, the way that it's tracked uh, uh, on camera, the way that it... That scene had a kineticism. Like, there was uh, an electric... Like, watching them run, that was fast-paced. I didn't think this movie was slow-paced at all, by any means. I mean, it was uh, almost two hours, uh, I guess. A little bit shorter. Yeah, a little bit shorter, but it it seemed to be paced really well. Um, Definitely, I felt that the the actors uh, outshined, you know, the material. My one caveat, though, is the cliché... the cliche casting of this Robert, uh, it's either Kepper or Nepper gentleman who played, he played the man behind the scenes. He was the, the general who was doing the all about the, He was like the villain. He, he's every, the mastermind. Yeah, he's the mastermind behind it all. Every time you see this guy in the credits, he's always the bad guy. So as soon as I, I didn't even know he was in the movie, and as soon as I saw his name's in the credits, I'm like, he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like and and he's a familiar face. You probably recognized him. He's been in a transporter movie. He's been in a bunch of things, playing a bad guy. He wasn't. He he didn't have the charisma uh, of the villain in the first movie. The mastermind in the first movie was this guy Zek, um, and that guy was scary, creepy. His henchman was also strong. Uh, Jai Courtney, who played that, but um, he just didn't. He wasn't in the movie enough. Well, I, I, I didn't. I, the the I didn't think the reveal was all that strong. It, you know, it it just seemed it seemed obvious in terms of oh, go ahead, open open the crates. Okay, open the crates. Oh, it's exactly what the manifesto said. Oh, except of course the drugs are inside, but no one checked. Um, right. You know, so it just it just seemed very convenient. Um, you know, I think we've we've literally seen this trope how many times? Right. Yeah, that's what I meant by I think stereotypical. At the when I mentioned stereotypical at the top of the show, I felt like this was like, oh yeah, of course, like okay, they look like weapons, but then he would like crack them. Like it all felt very like. And in some ways, I give Tom Cruise credit as a producer for creating something that you know, like it it is that like 
very like summer blockbuster, even though it is October. Um, <laughs> Definitely like, not summer. Anymore. Summer, but like a, an action film that you would see in the summer. Um, but also uh, kind of just wanted a little more, like to take a different twist with it. But maybe that would upset people who have read the book. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. And, and again, I, I should go back to that Warner Herzog played the villain in the first one, and he was like the Zack. Um, but you also had a great, you had Richard Jenkins, you had a great, nice little role for Robert Duvall. You had a, you had a, you had a more elevated cast, I felt, in this movie, even though oh, it's purportedly the same budget at $60 million, I just felt that the cast outside of Cruz um, and Smolders was a little bit B-team. Like, I didn't find them to be... They, they, they were some people that I sort of recognized, but for the most part, I, I didn't find them to be as... Uh, well, I, I don't, you know, but part of it is I, I liked like Aldous Hodge. Uh, he's he's been in here for After Buzz TV uh, multiple times at this point, and so it was great to see him. But I don't, and I wanted to see, I wanted to cheer for him, you know, um, out of like a personal respect. But they didn't give him quite enough to work with, right. you know, and that's why I felt a little bit bummed by that. So, like, I did like, like his character though. Sorry, not to cut you off. I like this character, yeah. and I want, but you know, I wanted to see more. Um, and I wanted, I wanted the ending where he says like "Welcome back, Major" to be a little bit more earned. Yeah, <laughs> and I felt it, it, it wasn't. Let's talk about the MacGuffin because, um, you know, I didn't get the fact like uh, from from my read, I, I reread the description of the whole movie, um, and I didn't get the fact I, I didn't understand that the the new Major or whatever we're going to call him actually had a history with Reacher. And that's what sort of also sets this off. Um, it didn't play that way, and um, it just—it just seemed like a weird MacGuffin to kind of go off of, you know. That that she, oh she's she and, and and just like Reacher says, like oh she's wanted for treason. Okay, well what what's the charges? Oh, two people got killed. Really? That's all they're going off of. Um, it seemed uh, very thin. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. I mean, they they don't. The one thing that they don't really bring up a lot in this in this episode, I'll call it, is that Reacher was is like when he was in the military, he was like the best he was Batman. He was Sherlock Holmes when it came to investigative his investigative prowess. Okay. He was amazing. And if you were on the wrong and Reacher was after you, he was gonna get you. There was just no doubt about it. And there was never any doubt in Reacher's mind that he was going to get you. And I wish they they brought that up a little bit more outside of the fact that he's a tough, that he's, you know, tough. You know, and they talked about his military record a bit. But one thing about Reacher, and, and I was a little bit... But even the military um, record was physical. Yeah. Right? Because exactly. remember the, 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 was... the head into the desk, oh, not my best day. Like, it was all physical mm-hmm. rather than him thinking. Yeah, he's a smart guy. And there's a reason why. And there's a MacGuffin, again, in the first movie that Reacher continually brings up. And he's like, it, it, it ends up, you know, I won't say it. For people who haven't seen the first one, you should. But he is a very strong investigator. Uh, and and so, and apparently there's even a book that goes back to when he is an investigator. Um, that he does something for the military at the time. But uh, I wish that this movie had shown a little bit more of that. Of, of his prowess in, in, in that field, mm-hmm. so to speak. Absolutely. Um, what did you guys think of, again, not the general, but the 
big guy, tough guy, um, the new major in town, if you will, um, who's responsible, who ultimately dies at quote unquote the hand of now Reacher, which felt like if I had to nitpick anything, it was like I feel like Reacher's a little bit more smarter than to leave his handprints on a telephone, right? You know, there for evidence later. I thought that, I thought about that too, and you you mentioned the other actor who you always you know once you see him you always think oh, yeah he's Robert the bad guy. Nepper. Um, I, I thought Hookness. I thought the same thing about this guy. I was like, oh, I've seen him in other stuff. He always plays the villain and the bad guy, and so like he's he's going to be someone that we're not going to like. Who's always going to try to catch Jack, but Jack is always going to be a step ahead of him. Um, not to say that like I enjoyed the fact that he died, <laughs> but. I was like, uh, he didn't seem as big of a villain as we were kind of building him up to be, and then he ended up dying. So I'm like, okay, if he's not the bad guy, who's really the bad guy? And I think it ended up being the the hitman. Yeah, and I never looked at at this, uh, that actor's name, Holt McCallany. McCallany. I didn't see him as being the quote-unquote bad guy, I just saw, saw him as being the asshole. You know, he's the guy that's going to play the asshole to Reacher. He's going to walk in. He's going to try to belittle Reacher. Um, you know, he's going to put him back in his place, so to speak. Um, you know, he knows of Reacher's record, but he's no longer in the military. He's a civilian, and he's going to treat him like a civilian and use his use his uh, his military bravado to put him down if he can. He was just being a jerk, and he wouldn't listen to what Reacher had to say, and he looked at him as more an obstruction to what was going on. I mean, he's just to be fair, like was a he, lug. I mean, in that perspective, was he wrong? I mean, who is Reacher just taking control of every situation? Like, dude, you're out. Yeah. You know? The titles never go back. Why do you never, keep going back? He goes back. But you say you're not back. Uh, you know, you, you're, you can't just be a vigilante. That's the irony of it all. Because even Tom Cruise in an interview, he goes, yeah, this is called Jack Reacher never goes go back. And, he ends up going back, and that causes some problems for going back to the military. And, you know, he is also a character. And again, I wish that there was more of this in this movie that he could turn his back on something if he doesn't feel that it's right. But if there's something, if there's a thread that just gnaws at him, he will, like, go, I can't let this go. He goes, I'm going to, it just bothers me. It's, it's an, something that's open and I don't like it I'm going to pull on this thread I've got to figure this out so he's that kind of guy that's got to solve the puzzle because if he doesn't have all the pieces it just aggravates him Um, which again I wish they tried to state a little bit more but uh, yeah that guy was just in the way you know he wasn't the hunter no, he wasn't the hunter by uh, who's the hunter killed him Patrick yeah (laughs) Husinger I think is how you pronounce his name it was an imposing force. Did you like him or not I like him? him? He was cool. Yeah, you liked him? Because um, he physically, he, he matched Jack Reacher, and he saw we saw him, like, kick everybody's ass, mm-hmm. you know? like, whether you were a female or a male. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's someone to watch out. Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out his backstory, I think, as everybody else was. I was like, how is he connected to Jack in some way? Because I, other than the military, they're both being in the military. But I was trying to figure out him because he was just the way that he, they set him up to be a really equal villain and antagonist was pretty mm-hmm. cool, and I just wanted to know more about yeah. him. He was a force. I mean, he definitely yeah. was somebody 
to put up against Reacher. Yeah, and like a lot of action movies has the the cat and mouse kind of chase, and but I didn't mind this one because mm-hmm. he was always there with Jack. Like, yeah, he caught him up to like every other scene. Right. Like, I I know where you are, and I'm yeah. constantly on your tail. Right. So like, I was like, yeah, watch out for him because mm-hmm. he's he's there. Yeah. Which is interesting because I, I perhaps now would be a good time to talk about the controversy what, what, of Jack. Yeah, the controversy of Jack Reacher and what is considered to be imposing. In the books, he's he's like a six foot five. He's a big guy. Like he would take up the doorway. You know, he's not a guy that you can easily get around. He's got bulk. He's got muscle. And even more deadly other than that, he's very intelligent. He can figure things out and piece things together. And he's got the ego and the bravado to back up what he says. So if he says, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to hunt you down, and, you know, you're going to drink blood from a boot by the time, like, he's got the bravado to back it up. And I remember when Tom Cruise was cast, there were many fans of the book who cried foul, like saying he's small. We all know that Tom Cruise is not a tall guy. He's not. But the thing about he's, he's five foot eight. Like he's not right. the world's shortest person but either. That happens a lot with casting. I, I mean, agree. Think about Hugh Jackman. He's super tall, and Wolverine's supposed to be super short. But yeah. everyone loves Hugh Jackman, so it's like I, I really, it's like if you had the talent to bring the personality to, I then agree. I think the physical things can kind of maybe go out the window. I was going to say bit. I think Tom Cruise does a phenomenal job portraying this character. Like you believe it when you're watching it for two hours. There's not a moment where I'm like, oh, that couldn't happen. Like, his uh, physical abilities and also, obviously, his acting are really great in this film. Yeah, I mean, I would bring up just two examples. Two examples of of fans, like, crying foul. One of them um, goes back early on with um, uh, uh, Casey Affleck, um, not, not, not Gone Girl, <laughs> the... Um, the first movie, uh, Gone Baby Gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Ben Affleck. So Ben Affleck's directorial debut, he hires uh, his brother Casey to play Mackenzie. Patrick Patrick Mackenzie. And I remember, too, being fans of the Dennis Lehane books. When they cast him, I was like, is he going to be able to be... Dot- like, is he going to have that physique and be able to, to pull this off? And there was one scene in particular that I was waiting for in that movie... That I said, if he can't carry this off, I'm, I'm not going to be able to buy the rest of the movie. And Casey Affleck won me over. It happens within the first ten minutes of that movie. It's a bar fight scene, and he was amazing. And I was done. Didn't have to doubt him ever again. And so he just put that away. He didn't have the physical attributes as the character in the book did. You know, the other example that I give is when um, the Broccoli's were looking for a brand new James Bond. Uh, after Pierce Brosnan, who are we going to hire? And then they hired uh, um, Daniel, Craig. Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. The outcry was insane, okay, over Daniel Craig. He's not big enough. He doesn't have the looks. He's not going to carry off the action. And I was like, give the guy a chance. Be Like, they were crucifying him before, like, when, during production or, be, or during pre-production. And then Casino Royale comes out. And he proves everybody wrong. He was able to pull it off. And I think Tom Cruise was able to pull off this character. Even though he's not six foot five, he could be intimidating. It's all about your swagger. And Tom Cruise can have the swagger. And when you have the dialogue, Tom Cruise is able to back that up. I think he does it very well. We know he can do action. 
just from the Mission Impossible movies, Edge of Tomorrow. You know, he can carry it off. So to all those naysayers, I just say, <laughs> like, yeah, it's not fair. It's not right. He can. I, do also, it. I also think. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is me who's not six foot. Um, but but I, I do think there there's a side to it. Like it's almost like a too much of a superhero. Oh, like he's tall, he's good looking, he's he, he's he's got brains, he can fight. Like, okay, well, what's wrong with him? You know what I mean? Because I don't know. Um, to, for him in the movie to be a little bit smaller and things like that, um, I don't know. There's just something cool about it, and that doesn't make him quite as perfect. Mm-hmm. And he's still doing his own stunts too, which I find, you know, Tom Cruise has been famous for doing this. So those scenes like jumping from rooftop to rooftop in New Orleans and hanging from there, by him doing his own stunts, it adds that level of additional like suspense. It's like, wow, that's him. Like, yeah. that's cool. I agree. And also just to point out again, Kobe being an equal, she did all of her own stunts as well. Yeah. So like really was in there doing that. And that's amazing. Uh, like he he's known for that. He's been doing that for 20 some odd years yeah. doing his own. I mean, probably longer. Um, but I feel like to Kobe to jump in and be able to keep up is great. Well, in some sense, I mean, you know, I almost, like, with him, it's like he's been doing this for 20 years. Like, when, when is it going to take a toll on his body? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's, like, you know, it's got to start to hurt eventually. Well, maybe that's, you know, uh, art imitating life or life imitating art. Like, maybe when he's done at the end of the day, he goes to his hotel and it's like, oh. <laughs> like, I'm so sore from hanging off a ledge. But... When you're talking about a movie, <laughs> what we, we don't we see don't that. see that. Yeah, so we don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just think too, though. The other thing that's refreshing about Jack Reacher, uh, the, the two movies, is that there is a practicality to them. They're like you know a lot the fight scenes, the hand-to-hand combat. We're not being shaky, jerky, quick cuts, very up close. We can see what's happening. It looks a little bit more realistic. And we're not talking about superheroes pummeling the hell out of one another. There's a consequence for throwing a punch. There's a consequence for getting shot or something. I appreciate that. It, it, is, a, it is an old school throwback kind of way of filmmaking and it's a little bit more in-camera effect we're not relying on cg we're not you know relying for filming from behind the person so it's a stunt person the first jack reacher had that a lot a lot of tom cruise movies do this this one stays on board with that i liked the fighting scenes i i I like the fighting scenes too um i thought uh whenever there's shootouts though i always get the hand-to-hand stuff I'm, i'm all on board with whenever they're shooting i'm like okay Someone's got to eventually just sh- shoot somebody. Because <laughs> <laughs> every way, how many bullets? Are, no, it's my biggest Hollywood pet peeve. Is that how many bullets are we wasting? And they're, they're like all looking up, like ah, and everyone's yeah. just missing. Yeah. And Reacher is supposed to be—he's a crack shot too. Yeah. I mean, he—he he could be a sniper. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just very interesting. But I, like, again, the running—I really enjoy the, the running through New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And the running off the rooftops and the fight that took place on the rooftop. Um, I, I do appreciate how Zwick and his cinematographer filmed all that. It was, you know, it was good stuff. Absolutely. Um, any? Do you guys want to draw any? Have you guys seen Last Samurai? I have. Yes. Any a long com- time ago. It's, obviously, yeah, it's, 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 it's their yeah. last sort of collaboration. It's been quite a while. But um, any similarities between the two movies that you guys can pick out? Well, I, I think because um, 
Uh, there was some interviews where people were concerned for Ed Zwick being the director because he's not really known for action movies, more known for dramas. And they were concerned that he'd be the more dr- dramatic element to what you call this as an action movie. But I didn't really notice it. Like, there there were some moments where it could have gotten real and somewhat dramatic, but, like, I, I felt the film... You know, really kept up on balance for like action, some comedy in between, but I didn't really see it as heavy hitting as Last Samurai was. And some of my favorite moments in this movie were actually the lighthearted moments between Kobe and Tom. I thought those were it plays to both of their like comedic talents and timing, and it also again showed their chemistry, which was great. So, and if I can too, I wanted to go back to the to, to, to a lot of the fight scenes. Uh, interestingly enough, they weren't uh, they weren't storyboarded. Uh, as Wick said, no. Um, he goes, I've been evolving. It, it's all chore- all done choreographically. And uh, this guy uh, Wade Eastwood, who's the choreographer of the fights, who's worked on on some of the uh, Mission Impossible movies with with Tom. Shocker, again, somebody else that Tom's comfortable working with. Um, you know, but they would go, uh, and, and, and Zwick would, uh, he would go to look at it and figure out the best way to photograph it for both his master shots and coverage and what he's going to need. And I just find that that's an interesting take, that Zwick, and again, I think it goes back, Zwick's an old school kind of director. So he's taking this old school approach of, uh, let's choreograph this. Let me see, and I'm gonna like be walking around, and I'm gonna be figuring out how the best way to shoot this. Well, it's not a Hitchcock be... method by any means. No, <laughs> but I get what you're but, saying. But he's not storyboarding things out like or pre-visualizing anything. It's like let me take a look at this, and I'm able to figure out my master shots. I'm gonna know what I'm gonna need for coverage. You know, I appreciate that. Uh, and I think it sort of showed that it was just done a little bit differently than what our summer fair that we're used to. Everything is predetermined. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's 100% storyboarded. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. But no, I, I agree. There is a little bit more of, of I guess, like a, a natural or a element to it that feels a little more organic. Um, yeah. But. Still, it it, di- it definitely goes back to those like bigger action movies. It yeah. still felt big and enormous. And I don't know if they showed this in IMAX or not, but it would be interesting. I think this movie in IMAX. I believe they did. I did not see this in uh, IMAX or XD. Yeah. But uh, uh, but it looked good. It looked good in scope. You know, yeah. fine. Um, absolutely. Uh, in terms of editing, this is uh, not one of Ed Zwick's uh, normal collaborations. Right. Uh, normally he works with Stephen uh, Rosenblum, uh, not this time, but uh, you know they were able to pull it off, nonetheless. Uh, it, Billy Weber is, is who edited this movie. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to see Tree of Life and Miss Congeniality. Like these are not movies that you necessarily the love guru. Yeah, the love guru <laughs> that, that you think like in line with this film. Like it has a very different tone to it, but still interesting. True, but like if you think about it, well, I haven't seen Tree in a Life, but Miss Congeniality is there's a good balance of lot of comedy, but there are some moments where it is action. So like I, I can understand how those two relate. Um, I thought the pacing of this film was fine. Like not once was I ever really bored, 
and um, I kept up with the whole story, and I think, it, again, it had a really good balance of going here, we're talking a dialogue scene to an action scene to back to a regular dialogue scene. Um, like, I, it kept my attention the yeah. whole time, and then not once was I bored. Again, there's, there's a theme that I've been bringing up here, so, and talking about Billy Weber, let's see, Top Gun, um, uh, Days of Thunder, um, let's see, this movie... Uh, Reacher, and there was one other one. Uh, yeah, well, Top Gun, you know, he's worked with Tom Cruise before, so he has a sense of what the man would want, or Tom Cruise might feel comfortable working with him. And, and again, like, his editing was fine. Like, I, I didn't find the pacing of this movie to be off. You always, when you when we talk, when we come to this segment, when we talk about pacing, you're always, your your famous thing is, I wasn't looking at my watch. Yeah. You'll say, if I look at my watch, I, you're, you're, you're thinking, if I'm correct, yeah. I'm in I'm, trouble. Oh, 100%. Right? No, I, and like, I definitely, if I find myself wondering what time is it, the for me, the pacing is off. And I would say that 95% of this film, I was fine. I think at one point I was like, okay. I, and it was like midway through the film. And I just kind of was like, I definitely looked at my watch. But then I, I continued on. Like, it, it didn't bother me significantly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a huge issue for me. Uh, the, the ending was the only thing. I, I wanted it to be kind of just truncated. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very much a Lord of the Rings type of ending. <laughs> well, only because I, I get, I understood what we were doing. Um, however, mm-hmm. the, like... To have the A plot have ended so early, right? And now we're focusing on the hunter, who's now the pseudo main villain because right. of this. And now it's really about the focus of the girl. It just seemed like a weird thing, you know. Usually, you want to wrap up your B storylines first, and then the A storyline is the kind of the last thing, right? And then, yeah, it was handled again. The you know the first Jack Reacher. Yeah, it was seemed a little bit disjointed because we got the mystery solved. But yet there's this hunter guy out there who's yeah, still got another twenty for, minutes. Still get another yeah, and um, it's done much differently in the first Reacher movie. Like the mystery is just uh, again, I found it to be a more engaging, involved mystery, so so to speak, that need to be found out. And when you when you're peeling back the layers and you know the MacGuffins that are on that one, I th- thought were better set up. But again, I just think that it comes from I think Christopher McQuarrie is a little bit more skilled or talented. And I don't want to take away from Ed Zwick. He's been doing this for years. Um, but I just think in this world, he was a little bit more talented and, and able to just draw a tighter story. Um, and I think McQuarrie was because he's going to be doing... Uh, I forget if he's doing the next MI5 movie, but I yeah. also think he's doing the sequel to Edge of Tomorrow, maybe? I definitely With, with him? Yeah, so, you so. know... Cruz has, <laughs> he continues to work. The man is a stalwart, you know? And regardless of his age, God bless him. I he mean, he can still... Yeah. Listen, he was friends with Paul Newman yes, in the early know, days. The early and Paul part. Newman, kept, he wasn't necessarily acting all the way, but he was he was winning race car uh, uh, oh, ra- right, at right. 83. At 83, right. No. So, like, I think he draws his inspiration from Paul. Yeah. yeah. And I think he's going to keep working. He's just had... Such an amazing career. When you talk about working with Paul Newman, Martin Scorsese, when you talk about movies like, you know, Rain Man, when you talk about Risky Business, and I know I'm eyes going back, shot. but Eyes Wide you know, he has had a career of playing just various roles throughout, and he continues to, to today. I, 
he's a star. I mean, he's a star for to me. Anyways. By the way, very nice guy. Most people that I talk to, um, and again, he, I don't know, if it could be his persona, but you know what? So be it. Because every like Hollywood party that he goes to, he's very humble. Um, he's like, oh, can I get you anything? This and that. We'll talk to you. Yeah. Um, so you know what? If behind the scenes he's an asshole, he's whatever. I don't think he gets a lot of behind the scenes. Son of a bitch was just blessed with that smile. Like it's like Top Gun. It's like screw you, hippie. It's like you, you gotta have it all. Like you gotta be like more than good looking. You got the engaging smile. You got charisma. You can be in a risky business kind of movie, which is sort of comedy, and then you can be an action hero and. Yeah, I think it's tough to find a star who you want to see in every scene of a movie. Like, even some of the biggest stars, you're like, it's more of an ensemble or whatever. They're enjoyable and lovely. But I think, um, like, Tom Cruise, you you were with him in almost every scene of this movie. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, you never are sick of him. He's enjoyable to watch. And, like, that's impressive with the kind of catalog we're talking about yeah. in any career that you're Absolutely. not sick of him. Like, and, and charisma, charisma. I mean, yeah. if you can handle drama and, and, and stand toe-to-toe with Paul Newman and the, the movie like The Color of Money or stand toe-to-toe with Dustin Hoffman or, you know, he was in The Firm, another movie in which he runs a lot, <laughs> but a really, really good drama. suspense, drama, really good movie. Um this guy has been able to pick his projects. Not all of them. Look, in, in the span of that career, what is it, a 30-year career? Yep. There's going to be some dogs. I mean, it's just the law of averages. You know, they catch up to you. Not all of them are going to be fantastic. But, you know, even to this day, when he can pull off a Reacher, you know, it's not Mission Impossible. He knows that. He plays it differently. You know, he's he's a star. He just, he, he can do it. And... He's he's. I always enjoy seeing him up on screen. Um, Absolutely. Well, before we get into the financial breakdown of things, let's talk about music. Um, I I like this quote, and I forget which. I think I think Stephanie might have pulled this one Um, because he he collaborates with James Newton Howard a lot. But um, he says James wasn't available. I called Hans Zimmer actually because he had worked with Henry when Henry was a younger composer, and I'd seen Captain Phillips that Henry did, which I thought was really effective. Uh, neither of which were available. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but nonetheless, so Joe uh, Kramer, um, he gets a crack at this. He's done uh, Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. He did Jack Reacher, Joyride Two, um, and The Way of the Gun. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. Uh, for a movie like this, you know, is it the most ground? Is it going to be iconic like Star Wars? No, but uh, it served its purpose. It served its purpose. I think again, the 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 composer of the first movie right now, his name escapes me. I'll look him up, but it, it was fine. I, I find what was interesting in in doing research about about this guy that they talk about temp tracks. Mm-hmm. They talk about temp tracks and. Um, We've had John Ottman here, who also has talked about the use or non-use of, of temp tracks. And, you know, it, it's it's funny. He uh, likes temp tracks. He thinks it's a way of communicating between the director and composer. And there are other ways. Um, but I just find that it's very interesting going into how are you going to, how are we going to, you know, he took from the last score, obviously. There was something already preset. Um, it never, it never became... It, it never became bigger than Jack Reacher. You don't want the score. Like, I think Hans Zimmer, in this case, 
is too overpowering. You don't want the score to be bigger. (laughs) Exactly. You don't want it to be bigger than your hero. And and being that Jack Reacher's not a superhero, if it was bigger than that, it, it takes over the movie and in a sense lessens your character so you know the guy did a good job it was fine again I go back to they knew what they were creating in this movie like they and I think in terms of getting all the elements together um a really phenomenal job they wanted to create an action movie I don't think you need music that is like an epic saga what have you I think that this worked for what they were creating and I think in a lot of the quotes when I was doing research you see that over and over again that they were aware of what they were creating and I, yeah. and I appreciate that yeah. yeah I think the moment I noticed it the most was when they were running particularly <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the airport scene which I thought was like beautifully shot but also with the because it was so much it, it was a lot of running and from here and there and I just noticed it when like during that long tracking scene like all I heard was running and all I saw was uh, 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 like all I heard was the music and all I saw was running and I, I thought it was really cool I'm yeah, J- Joe Kramer actually was the uh, uh, composer in the first Jack Reacher, um, and again he does a there, there's a there, there's an extra on that Blu-ray which is quite fascinating about composing the music for Jack Reacher and what he wanted to mm-hmm. accomplish. So again, uh, you know, you want to if you haven't seen it and you have the you can rent it on Blu-ray or find find a means to find something that has the bonus features because there's a good one about composing on that but i always i just find it now that we have been we've learned about temp tracks from the people who use temp tracks i just find it funny that it's brought up uh in in this conversation again about use the use of temp tracks and i think it helps too that uh as edswick is a self-described he's a half-assed musician so he he, you know, he he claims that you know he can have a dialogue with his composer about trying to figure out what he wants. Obviously, he has a relationship, you know, with with James Newton Howard, and I think directors who have relationships with their composers, John Williams, you know, Spielberg, whatever, that there is a communication between these two creative types that they sort of kind of that's shorthand. They, it's shorthand. You know. Like I tell so. you broccoli and like bullshit. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Sauce. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, that's what yeah. you want. Great. <laughs> no, but it's true. You know, you, no, it is true. It's it's insane. What you know? Once you have that shorthand, what you, what just and, sticks. And and I find that it sticks and it works with not only composing but it works with cinematography. It works with editing. You know, and again, like I said, constant that there's a theme. Crews put together. When he figured out that we, you know, Chris McQuarrie can't do this, he put together a cast of people that he's worked and felt comfortable um, working together with to build a story. You know, you can't say that the guy doesn't really pay attention to story too much, mm-hmm. being he's been in this business for so long that he, you know, I don't think we'll ever see him direct. But who cares? He still knows enough as to what comprises and what could make a good story and how it would look on film. Absolutely. Um, you want to, uh, Stephanie? You want to talk about the promotion of this because I think these are yeah. mainly your sure. notes. Sure. Um, so 
back on June 14th, so before we got all those summer movies, uh, Entertainment Weekly premiered um, a preview of this uh, film, the first trailer, uh, and Kobe Smulders introduced that footage. Um, and then on the Twitter account, because all movies need social media, um, <laughs> they announced the full trailer would be released on June 22nd. Um, and along with that, going with new media, they also did a browser game uh, titled Jack Reacher Never Stop Punching, which was also released <laughs> to promote the film. Unfortunately, I haven't played that game yet. Maybe I'll look for it. I but... think spoiler, I know what happens. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I haven't, I haven't played it yet. But I, I think that it's always interesting that um, these movies now have the tie-ins to social and um, and are doing a video game tie-in. Like, there's a lot that needs to be done to promote right. a movie like this properly. And I think that they did, like, what you would assume. And also, I feel like Tom Cruise and Kobe Smulders were everywhere promoting this. Like, um, I saw UK interviews. I saw US interviews. Uh, I think they were in China, if I'm not uh, incorrect on that. Like, they've been all over the world promoting this as well. In for a penny, in for a pound. That's another thing, too, about Tom Cruise is, like, even if the movie is mediocre... He's going to stump for it. Like, yeah. you, you get no better ally <laughs> from an actor like Tom Cruise who's not going to take a back seat. And I think that that's, like, part of uh, why his movies, maybe not every single one does exceptionally well, but it's that he goes out and he really promotes these films. Sometimes uh, you see an actor and they do one or two big interviews and that's it. And he really seems to do the press junkets and do all of the work that you have to do to promote these films yeah he's done you know and i can i can speak from experience like uh, you know at um big trade exhibition shows like CinemaCon up in las vegas when um whatever you know studio is doing the huge presentations if they have a tom cruise movie there now he's been if i'm correct at CinemaCon, if my memory serves but there have been times when he hasn't been able to show up but he will specifically film like a thing where he goes Hey, CinemaCon Las Vegas, really sorry I couldn't be there with you today. I'm still filming here on Mission Impossible, or I'm doing this Jack Reacher movie. Hey, I've got a very special exclusive clip for you. And um, in fact, actually, last year, he was there to talk about the last Mission Impossible movie. And he did a live commentary of the plane sequence where he's hanging out the plane. I mean, this guy will do this. He understands his audience. He has a love for exhibition. Uh, he will do these great things. That's what does make him special. And you're right. It, not all of his movies are huge. But uh, I think it helps. You know, and um, and he's like, he'll, he just goes in full bore, which is refreshing. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Absolutely. Well, and especially, you know, you mentioned a lot of the international market. Uh, that's what did end up saving first movie in order to get this movie was the international market and especially we, we we talked about it um the chinese did help fund it so it makes sense that he's gonna heavily promote it to the chinese yeah um among other countries but um you know overall here in the united states not as uh not as good as we one would hope um number two at the box office overall um so not, a, not you know I, I think it's gonna be the story like the, with the first one i think international is what's gonna really boost that and determine whether or not there is going to be a third. Yeah, international and secondary like markets like streaming, uh, home the, the home entertainment market as to will people download it? Will people stream it on an Amazon Prime? Will they stream it on their Apple Music? Or will they buy the hard copy Blu-ray 
uh, I think will will um, will determine. You know, I mean, thus far as 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 of yesterday, um, you know, it's it's done about uh, sixty million plus, but that's including foreign, where in, you know, foreign territories, it's about fifty two uh, percent of the gross. It's done thirty one plus million um, over here in the states as of yesterday. Uh, it was at twenty eight point six million dollars. Um, it'll be interesting seeing, you know, whether or not people people will gravitate, you know, or people will keep it up in its second weekend. I found the marketing very interesting because it was very catered to fans of the first movie for they picked scenes that had similar tropes that the first movie showcased. Okay, mm-hmm. so when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, great, I'm getting more of this this is going to be... It's, it made it a movie for me that I couldn't wait to see. I'm interested in your take of the trailer um, because well, you didn't... I saw the teaser kind of most times. The, okay. it, it, um, the whole opening sequence where they're at the... Um, the, the, the diner? The diner. They played that, like, hey... And I forget what they... Like, rule number 57 of Reacher... Um, the X, Y, and, and then, then this. And then he lays out, uh, you know, the phone's going to yeah, ring and 90 this. 90 seconds, yeah. Um, it's just a cool way to draw you in. And, and obviously it doesn't spoil anything. So the fact right. that they can play pretty much most of it is a, is a cool way to suck new fans in. Yeah. Oh. oh, this was a question that I thought of. Did anyone else notice the IHOP? Uh, yeah. at the, and I was like, yeah. is that, I mean, that's clearly product placement or uh brand placement but i i just thought it was like so blatant it was like i hop in four different ways in that one scene i was craving pancakes yeah <laughs> yeah well scene. just much like that when they're tracking him initially yeah. um you know <laughs> i wonder what he's, he's eating, eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it was definitely the product placement yeah. was readily in this film <laughs> yeah one of those banana strawberry pancakes was, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah but, but i don't i don't but we didn't see what he was eating mm-hmm. like that's the weird thing like you saw the branding of ihop yeah but you didn't see the branding of IHOP, which would be their pancakes. <laughs> like, you didn't see anything. Yeah. Well, you can get anything you want. Yeah. That's true. Use your own imagination. I was going to say, like, they have French toast. That's true. That's true. <laughs> they have eggs and bacon. They have steak. They yeah, have a lot of great cool. stuff. Yeah. yeah. We are not sponsored by IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. That was a cool scene, though. Uh, especially just, like, it was so simple how he was just sitting there and then, like, did he go? Where'd and he go? that, like that one punch into the car window, I was like, "Ooh!" Yeah. I, I mean, obviously it was a stunt, and it just it looked so real. And I would well, not but the fact that don't he forget took... he had the salt shaker, like, yeah. And, and again, that is the like one thing I'll say, like, because he knows he's being trailed. He's looking at the salt shaker. It's like he can weaponize anything. I think that was in one of the trailers. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, he used the salt shaker to break the window, which is. But it looks cool. like I don't know if you if you don't kind of if you're not really fully paying attention, it looks like he's just going to put salt on his plate. Right. And yeah. then you he's see like, the oh. salt shaker in his hand in between his knuckles. Like, oh. That was a great scene too. That and that is a Reacher type scene that we did see uh, in the first movie. But but that's. I think that's even in the books. Like that's what makes the books fun because he is—he's a noble character to an extent. He fights the right fight, um, 
and and that's what makes it an enjoyable in literature, and that's thus far too that's making it enjoyable cinematically. Uh, I think he's a good movie. I think he's a good character to bring in the the big screen. It would be nice to see at least maybe one more. I don't know if it'll happen, but um, you know, uh-huh. who knows? Interesting enough, thirty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, fifty two percent audience. Yeah, and uh, a B plus on Cinema Score. Which is interesting. Not like not great, but not terrible. It's not terrible. It's a B plus. Hey, I would take B plus. Hey, mm-hmm. if I got a B plus in math, mm-hmm. I'd be doing cartwheels <laughs> for a B plus. So I don't know. I just found it. Uh, I just found that to be very interesting. Um, I think B plus is how I would describe the movie. Certainly, a lot more reflective rather than a thirty nine percent on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I enjoyed this film more than Jason Bourne, and I believe Jason Bourne had a higher score. So, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree about a about a B plus for me as well. I, I think enjoyable, little expected, but like still a fun movie. Like I still like would see it again. I wouldn't like. I, yeah. I'd have to look up my accountant notes. What was what was that on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh dear lord, that was yeah. like <laughs> I, I think lower like 50 50 percent. Yeah. No, the accountant was fifty percent. Was well, it? That's, and, that's and, generous as all and, hell. Well, yeah. but I agree. Like the first thing I thought when I got out of seeing this movie is like, this this was a better put together movie than the accountant was. Mm-hmm. And as much as we talked and we did talk about how we like Ben Affleck yeah. and everything like that, this was more cohesive in storytelling. Yeah. Like there weren't things that just didn't make sense. Didn't have shitty exposition. Um, it was much more. It was a better contained movie. Thirty nine percent, fifty percent doesn't add up to me. I just so make a weird movie get a high Rotten Tomato score. I guess moral of the story. I guess it was just really. Uh, it was just very interesting to me that that would. Um, that that was. That there was such a a, a, a spread. Yeah. Um, f- from the reviews that we saw. Well. Uh, they did. They did get asked. Obviously, will there be a sequel? Um, just the, just by the fact that there's about to be 21 Jack Reacher books, and um, typical answer of well, go out, well, go out and see it, and we'll see if there is a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Like I would welcome uh, a third one because I didn't even see the first one, and no. but I enjoyed the second one. And if they are all the books are self-contained, mm-hmm. it really just depends on like whichever story they want to tell next. Sure. Yeah, and there's like I, I will say this about the books, and it's not a reflection on like Lee Childs, uh, or, but it is a series, and I guess it's much like if you're a Clive Cussler fan, um, uh, uh, you the know, Dirk that, Pitt novels. Dirk, yeah. Some are going to be better than others, and I've gotten to the point where I've read enough where some stories have been better than others. Um, I think it's what you're able to pick and choose and how you're able to adapt. Um, I did find it interesting that the first Jack Reacher movie was 62% of Rotten Tomatoes. Now that's a that is a spread. 39 to 62 that you know that 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 that's that's a, that's, a, that's a good spread. I don't think that I don't think that this movie is a 39 you know, like where I really like A minus for the first movie that this one to me is a solid B. At least, I don't know. It's it's interesting what critics are looking for because there is no way in hell I would have given the accountant. A 50%. Well, when, did the, when, when did Jack Reacher come out initially? It, it, I felt I feel like it was in February, or March. I know the year, but oh yeah, uh, I'm trying to find out. Uh, 
What I did find interesting, though, was that um, the author already knows if they do make a third, what uh, books they'll be around. Uh, they were talking about Bad Luck and Trouble, uh, book 11 uh, is Trouble, and uh, that they're ready for that to be more of an ensemble piece. Which is it was in theaters December 20th, 2012. Why? Okay, so winter. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not quite the same time, but around-ish. Also, yeah. Also, I think like this is technically a sequel, so they're they're gonna have other content, another movie to compare it to. And I think that what I've been hearing that Jack Reacher, the first one, was such a solid movie that maybe this one didn't live up to what they were expecting in the first one. Whereas The Accountant was very pretty much an original movie. Sure. No, I, I, absolutely. I, this one reminded me of the kind of movie that you would get uh, that would be released early spring. That's or what I'm January, saying, yeah. February. Yeah. You know, you have a big star attached to it, but sometimes people think that there is a stink attached to it because it's coming out in February where they, you know, we're not having the bigger pictures that are coming out. But this reminded me of a movie that I would see in like January, February, maybe even March. You know, I mean it's not it's not huge to, to, to play with the summer boys, but obviously they felt paramount felt that the first one could be around during the Christmas season. Um, but it did do well. Um, it, it had staying power, probably because it was a good movie and because it was the Christmas season. I think it'll end up outgrossing... Um, I, I, well, I don't think this one will get to the gross that the first movie... Mm-hmm. I don't think so to. either. And uh, But it's it's just been a soft month of October, really. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very soft. I don't know. Yeah, so. I'm yeah. I'm excited to see what kind of happens as we move into award season because there seems to be a lot of movies November and December that are coming. Are there? <laughs> well, <laughs> like, but the, Fantastic Beast is not going to be an Oscar contender, oh, is it? Well, I mean, Hacksaw Ridge. No, but Hacksaw Ridge will be an Oscar contender. La La, La, La Land, Land will be an yeah. Oscar okay, contender. Okay, great. Two movies. But, 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 no, we've got um, Allied could potentially be an Oscar contender. That's, that's Robert Zemeckis. I There's a new really Jake Gyllenhaal, Amy Adams. Uh, it's uh, oh, I'm totally. It's the Tom Ford movie. I'll think uh. of the title as soon as we get off. Well, there you go. We <laughs> have, we and, 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 and to put things in perspective, too, the first Jack Reacher movie, it, it grossed uh, eighty million dollars. It opened, it opened at only fifteen million dollars when it opened. So this movie opened up higher, but I don't think it's. It opened higher, but I don't think it's going to end higher. That make, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, right? Absolutely. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting because we've got Inferno coming out uh, this week. And so it's it, that's not an action movie, but it's a mystery type movie. So, you know, between The Accountant, between this and Inferno, you've got, you know, some sort of thing there. And, and you know, I haven't seen still uh, uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses, but that's a, you know, comedy action movie. So if you want action there's or mystery, there's there's a plethora of options. Yeah. It's all there for you. So, um, but some uh, movie that we're looking forward to is Doctor Strange, certainly next week. Um, So we've got that to look forward to. As always, you can go down our history of um, anatomies and for whatever movies that you like, definitely check out some of the other ones. We'll be doing the ones that that, um, were mentioned. We did not do Jack Reacher 2 because we weren't around then. We weren't. So uh, you can't listen to that, but maybe 
um, once we find the time at some point, <laughs> wishful thinking there, is uh, maybe we'll, we'll go down the archives and watch. I, I want to see it. I want to see it. I urge you to see it because I really think that it was a, it's, a, it's a solid movie. And you have, and again, it's a movie that showcases really good collaborative creative talent behind it. I don't want to take away from the creativeness of this. I just think that, you know, Rosamund Pike... Uh, um, Richard Jenkins, Robert Duvall, Tom Cruise, and Christopher McQuarrie's script. Again, this is a guy that wrote Usual Suspects. You know, he's a, he knows how to write a mystery. Yeah. So, uh, well, speaking of mysteries, it's no mystery where you can find Dimitri at D Movies seventeen oh one. It's not a mystery now. <laughs> uh, at Stephanie Wenger. Um, at Serafini TV. That's right. That's blasphemy around here on the Popcorn Talk Network, but we'll, we'll let it slide. <laughs> well, in fairness, to I me. had an old Twitter handle that had movies in the title, and I was told to change it. So, oh, the irony. I know. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I did not know that. Uh, <laughs> true story. And, of course, follow at the Popcorn Talk. Let us know um, what you thought of the movie. We definitely love comments. Um, you know, Dimitri's been fantastic about replying on behalf of most of us. Um, I try to when I can, and I know these guys do read them. It means a lot. We love the discussion. You know, yeah. that's you know, I don't want to just sit here and talk about a movie. I want to talk about it with you. Yeah, it's so much better and more refreshing than talking about like say that p word politics. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, there we go. Very good. Um, yeah, and let us know what Oscar contender you're looking forward to. Let us know, did you see Jack Reacher uh, 1? Did you, which one was better for you? You know, uh, what did you think of Colby? Uh, All that good stuff. Lots to comment on. Anyway, we'll see you guys next time on another Anatomy of a Movie. Bye. Executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 